Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. It just means more at Utah, clearly. Take that, SEC. You're not threatening to nuke the town if you can't beat a Mountain West team. SI's Ross Gellinger. You feel good, and you just need to tell your quarterback not to not to jump from the five-yard line into the end zone. Uh, that That's a problem. And SI's Pat Forty. Oh, I am just going to pour sunshine all over the University of Missouri for their effort to keep Brian Harson employed. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. Uh, welcome to the pod. And you know, a lot of people are listening to this on Monday morning or they're listening Sunday night and they've got kind of a Monday morning blues. Maybe you're not feeling all that great about yourself. Uh, you know, one thing we're here, we're here to prop up our listeners because we love you. We and care about you. We care about you. Yes. Your mental health. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to know that no matter how bad things are going, it could be worse. You could be the defensive coordinator for the Warner University Royals. <laughs> um, perhaps he is a fine individual. I'm sure he is an upstanding member of the community at the uh, the small uh, Christian school in Lake uh, Lake Forest, Lake something, Lake something, uh, Florida. It's the one right by Orlando Lake. What is it? Lake Worth. Maybe it's like, whatever. Who knows? There's a school. It's called Warner <laughs> University. Lake Wales. It's an Lake NAIA Wales. school. There did you, you check? Pat, did you watch any of the Warner game? <laughs> I did not. I had no idea Warner existed until that score came across. Well, yeah, they played the Stephen F. Austin. I always appreciate Stephen F. Austin, making sure we don't confuse it with Stephen G. Austin or Stephen P. Austin <laughs> or anybody. It's all these Stephen Austins out there, right? Uh, Stephen F. Austin uh, handed it to the Warner Royals. 98 zip. 98. <laughs> Warner is N-A-I-A. Stephen F. is F-C-S. Uh, the box score on this thing is is absolute uh, joy. <laughs> Unless you're Warner. Unless you're Warner. Let me read it to you. First quarter, touchdown, 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 touchdown. Second quarter, touchdown, 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 field goal. <laughs> <laughs> six oh, seconds left. They got to stop. There you go. No, no, they ran out of time on the clock. Oh. Six seconds. 
Third quarter, safety. Touchdown, field goal. At that point, I think it's, un- you know, not not appropriate to kick the field goal at that point, 41-yarder. I guess maybe going for it's worse. That made it 71-0. And then I think everybody in attendance, if anybody attended, was like, are we going to do this? <laughs> Fourth quarter, touchdowns, 8.55 left. And then just crap starts happening. <laughs> Stephen F. Austin uh, with a touchdown with sick on a punt return. They return the punt. Now, at this point, they've played everybody on the roster. Four quarterbacks played. They all threw touchdown passes. 6.58 left. Stephen F. Austin hits a punt return to make it 85-0. to zero. Okay? Next play. Warner gets the ball at their, uh, at their 35-yard line. Pass intercepted. Uh, actually, it was at the 20. I'm sorry. At the 20. Pass intercepted. Stephen F. Austin takes over at the 18. One play, touchdown pass, a touchdown run. It is now 92 to zero. <laughs> There's 632 left. Warner kicks it off. Uh, I don't want to say their name. I just feel bad for these guys. <laughs> it's not their fault. So an unidentified player. For Warner, tries to return the kick, hammered, fumble on the 15-yard line. Oh, boy. Next play, Robert McGrew of Stephen F. Austin runs it in. 98. <laughs> now, what does Stephen F. Austin do? You do not go for two. I can tell you that. One point gets him the Gretzky. <laughs> two points gets him the 100. Pat, you would not be the Stephen F. You can coach Stephen P. Austin. <laughs> they went for two. Oh, my God. Unless they took a knee. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, they took it. I think they took a knee. Did they Did take they? a knee? Okay. They they went for, they acted like they were going for two, and they took a knee. Okay. Ends at oh, 98. Wow. There's still 617 left. Warner has to <laughs> convert two-third downs. To finally run out the clock, and by the time they turn it over on downs, Warner only has a uh, a little time left, and they just take a knee. Ninety-eight uh, zip. I wanted to see the hundred. <laughs> of course, you did. This, this Ross. In case you didn't know, this is from a a man who once coached a thirty-two-zero youth soccer game. Dan oh, Wetzel Dan! That's you true. Story. Out of that? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, thirty-two. You nothing. Racked up they got balls over on, on the other side. You learn to defend the girls. <laughs> First off, the thirty-two-zero game. We told the other coach, <laughs> one of the first of it was a little. It was a little indoor field. You can't score thirty-two on a field with the balls because right. But it was an indoor field like hockey boards. Ah, uh. they were young. I told the other coach, put extra players on the field. You can have like we got five. You can have like eight. I don't care. <laughs> Whatever, we're killing you. It's just 25 to zero. <laughs> Can put extra guys out there. He goes, my team, this is a true story. These girls are probably like seven, eight years old. He goes, my, my girls need to learn how to lose. Oh, boy. At that point, wow. I'm like, all right, we're going to, you're going to freaking learn. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> wow. Should have so, gone yeah, for the Of course, 100. that guy wanted to see a hundred. Absolutely. Poor Warner. Warner, I. Poor Warner, what are you doing? You don't mess with the Stephen F. Austin. (laughs) 
That was probably a bad idea scheduling them. They lost 44 to 7 to something called Kaiser University in their <laughs> opener. They lost 52 to 3 to the University of West Florida. They lost 49-22 to Florida Memorial University. Florida Memorial came like the this. people dead? That sounds like a <laughs> that's a Hey. You spend your time know. at Florida Memorial and it's like it's a that's either a cemetery or a hospital. Look, this this thing is so fly by night that they actually play Florida Memorial and Kaiser University again in October. So like <laughs> this is this, this is, is one uh, of those schools that are like, hey, pay us thirty five grand a year to come here and you get to get to keep playing football and then it's I mean yeah. this is kind of the Bishop Sycamore of uh Yeah, yeah. exactly. Ninety eight. <laughs> it's just not easy. You just run out of time. Anyway. No matter how bad your day is. And we're going to get to some bad ones. <laughs> oh, yeah. We are. All right. So it was an eventful weekend. Really good weekend of football. A lot happening. A lot of results that matter. Not involving NAIA uh, schools. Uh, I want to play a little game. You know, I love the games, the gimmicks. Pain or pride? Let's be optimistic. Pride or pain? On the pride and a scale of between pride and pain, where is each of these programs going? I'm not going through every freaking program. Georgia, I think you're very prideful. I'm not touching that. People are like, oh my god, they didn't win 98 to zero against Kent State. Okay, they'll be all right. Yeah, this right. is the uh, hangover. This is the you know keg party era stage of the season. But some of these teams won, some lost. So where are you? Are you panicked? Maybe it's a panic or pride. Panic or pride. There panic you go. Panic or pride. What did I call it? Pain. Panic. <laughs> Panic. Panic. <laughs> Whatever. Let's go. Let's play some soccer. 32 zip. Clemson. <laughs> Pat 40. They go down to the Winston and the Salem. <laughs> Take them both on. Get to OT. Fail on the two-point conversion would have given us a nice cover. Yes. Uh, but win, pull out a victory against Wake Forest by two. I mean, by six. Wake Forest gets no credit because they're called Wake Forest, but it's a pretty good football team. So are you are you prideful right now if you were Clemson? Or are you in panic mode going, I don't know, man? Well, by recent Clemson standards of are we going to make the playoff and compete for the national championship, I'd be a little bit panicked because their secondary is horrible. Holy moly. Uh, as Dabo himself said, I was at the game. Dabo said... After the customary, you know, three-hour cool-down period for Clemson, the slowest team in America to actually get around to the media. A lot of cooling. Yeah. He said, we gave up six touchdown passes, but we didn't give up seven. That's the only good thing I can <laughs> say about it. And that's it. I mean, their secondary is bad. See? And Wake Forest knew it going in. Wake Forest is like, yeah, we're, we're challenging them deep. They can't cover. Uh, and boy, they were right to do it. And then they actually let him off the hook by being too conservative at the end of regulation. But if I'm Clemson and I want to try to win a national title, not with that secondary. I'd be very proud of DJ Uyunglele, who really resuscitated his career. Uh, I mean, he was great. He carried them and brought them back when it looked like they had uh, were on the verge of losing there. Happy for him. Really nice young man. Played a phenomenal game. 
uh, and, you know, just made the throws that we had seen him make in 2020, but rarely, if ever, saw him make in 2021. So I'd be proud of DJ Angelale, but I'd be panicked about the state of the defense and panicked about the chances of competing for a national championship. Big, big game now to turn around and they host uh, NC State, and we'll see where they're at uh, for that one. Ross, prior to panic. Well, I yeah, I would have said panicked as well had DJ not played so well. Instead, I come away from that game, as Pat kind of mentioned, like really, if I'm a fan of Clemson, really excited about the way he played. And he finally had that game like against a, a good team, like on the road that everybody was kind of waiting on, that the expectation was there last year for and just never really came. And so I, I come away, in, you know, instead of panic because they don't – Clemson – for a second year in a row, right? Looks looks beatable, and that's something we hadn't seen in years. But DJ's performance has me thinking that um, waking up feeling a little prideful if I'm a Clemson uh, Clemson fan. I mean, he he accounted for I think almost 500 yards or so. It seemed like um, over 400, five touchdowns. So I I come away feeling pretty good about things, uh, but. Yeah, as Pat said, that's a big one next week, right? Big ACC showdown in Clemson. Game day, I think, announced this morning they're going to be there. So it's a big one. All right. Start with you, Ross. USC Trojans, 17. Oregon State Beavers, 14. So Lincoln Riley stays unbeaten out in L.A. They go up to Corvallis for this game. Takes a late touchdown, though. At, uh, Caleb Williams Jordan Addison with 113 left for the TD. Uh, 84 yard drive to win it. Panic, or are you prideful right now? Well, I mean, if you're looking at it from the standpoint uh, before the season, I, I would think they'd be prideful at four and zero. But you know, taking the last three or four weeks into account, I would think that they're waking up a little panicked this morning, especially this line. 16 of 36, 180 yards and a touchdown. That's uh, Caleb Williams' line, certainly the the worst he's had in quite some time. Maybe his college career, I'd have to go look back on Oklahoma stats last year. Um, but uh, that that was a struggle. Jonathan Smith does have it gone at Oregon State. I mean, he's, he's really built that program really well. But I, I, I think the fact that USC's offense struggled that much is a concern. Also, there's a stat, you know, that kind of went viral yesterday going around social media of uh, USC. It's they have they've had 14 takeaways in zero turnovers through four games. So that's a great recipe to go 4-0, but it's also, you know, probably opportunistic slash luck on there as well. So you're not going to get that always. So I'm I'm a little panicked if I'm waking up as a Trojan. Uh, no, I'm feeling proud. I, I'm, I'm fine with going to Corvallis against a good team and pulling that out, finding a way to win. They had been front-running through those three games. Get ahead, stay ahead, knock people out. Wasn't the case this time. Uh, you got to find a way to win, and they did it. And the turnover stat is not sustainable. That is true. And there's probably going to come a time when you're, you're minus two turnovers. Can you win then? Eh, maybe not. But I look at the schedule. I think they're going to be undefeated when they go at, go to Utah. And I look at this. Look, this program was a sandwich last year, right? They were terrible. And they have made 
great strides forward. They're play, they're making plays on defense. They made enough plays offensively to uh, to win the game. Caleb Williams had one of those games like Joe Montana used to have in college, where he's does nothing until it's the last drive, and okay, now we just got to do it, and I'll just take us down, and we're going to win. So you know that I'll take that from my quarterback, especially if he's having a bad game. So no, I'm proud if I'm USC. Like we. <laughs> We're way better than last year. We are on course to where we want to be. Bring it on. I am. Uh, I, I would I would go good. I mean, I think Oregon State's going to be one of the better teams in the Pac-12. And same thing with the Wake game in Clemson. Go into those environments, that exciting game. These are two good teams. Good victory. All right. Pride or panic, Oklahoma Sooners. Kansas State walks into Norman for the third time in four years, I think. Yeah. Or are they are they not the third time they beat them for the third time in four years? Yeah, yeah. Forty-one thirty-four knocks Oklahoma down. K State's really good. They just lost to Tulane, uh, which is not really a bad loss. But man, they got to be kicking themselves on that right now. Pride or panic? We'll start with you, Pat. Panic, absolute panic. Bad day for Sooner Nation. You have to watch Lincoln Riley pull it out to go four and zero. While your team flops at home against Kansas State. And that was, there wasn't a lot of fluke to that. I mean, they were behind the whole game. Kansas State just rolled up and down the field. Happy for Adrian Martinez, the Nebraska transfer who played great. You know, he was a good soldier at Nebraska, took his lumps there, tried to be a team leader. Team sucked, but uh, now he's, he's on a much better team, let's face it. But, Gave up 500 yards, 6.1 yards of play, 41 points. I was told, Dan, by the quick rebound Oklahoma fans who wanted to post pictures with their new significant other after being dumped by the old one, things are better now. We're better off with Brent <laughs> Venables. We're going to be tougher. We're going to be better on defense. Well, your defense just got trucked by K-State again. I'm panicking if I'm Oklahoma. I am in panic mode as well. It's bizarre, right? Kansas State, just like, you know, I hate to use the cliche, but has the number, right? Twice, uh, this is the second time in, uh, I guess, three years they've they've won at Oklahoma. Three and four. Third and four. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah, I saw a pretty incredible stat about, like, for 40 years, Kansas State had, had, you know, X amount of AP top 10 wins. Uh, and they've got more of them just on the Oklahoma wins in the last four years or something. It's crazy. Uh, but, yeah, I'm panicked. If I'm a Sooners, I'm panicked. Uh, mostly defensively, right? Uh, I uh, <laughs> My team gave up, like, uh, you know, 500 yards of, of offense against Adrian Martinez uh, and a Kansas State team that lost a week before to Tulane, which, of course, Tulane then lost to Southern Miss uh last night so it's uh yeah crazy day of college football but uh but i'm i'm definitely panicked i'm i'm not feeling great about things the good thing is nobody in the big 12 except maybe for kansas (laughs) looks (laughs) like you know looks great so so uh maybe it's theirs for the taking anyway well it's gonna be that's an interesting point i was just bring up they go oklahoma goes at tcu which just beat smu TCU's unbeaten. Unbeaten. Then they get Red River. Yep. Uh, Texas just lost to Texas Tech. Who the hell knows? Then they get the mighty Kansas Jayhawks coming to town. I don't know what to make. 
<laughs> that could be three easy games. It could be three terrible games, but yeah. they got a little work. Big 12 is crazy. It's a crazy league. So who knows? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of pride right now, in Norman. So my bit isn't really that good for that one. Speaking of uh, Kansas, any pride or panic? Are you panicked, Pat, that they didn't win, but they didn't cover against Duke again? Another nasty backdoor cover. <laughs> Are you kidding? Uh, this is the most this prideful thing ever. Holy about. crap! Kansas is four and zero. They're going to yeah. get ranked. We're doing this before yeah. the poll, but they assume they're ranked. Yeah. No, there, there's no panic at all. It's just delirium. Just like, are you kidding? We're actually four and zero. We've never they haven't won four games since when? Like 2010. So, I mean, this is um, actually 2009. This is like the greatest yeah. season for uh, some Kansas fans can remember since 2007. So, I mean, roll with it, baby. It's all good. Lance Leipold should get a lifetime contract. Man, lifetime uh, contract. Bill Self's got one, right? That's yeah. right. I know. Uh, yeah, impressive, man. It's it's uh, and and how about you know my Heisman? Uh, what is it? What is it? Short sample? High, what do we do? Uh, small sample Heisman. Small sample. Short sample. What am I doing? It's early. Save it. It's Save early. it. Don't you know? Don't give away the yeah. Don't give away the cow for no, free no, no. But that was mine from Look. last week. Um, oh, yeah. and, and he oh, just yeah, showed yeah. out again. I mean, he just. Uh, he he had an even better game uh, against Duke. It was, it was impressive to watch him. He's he's just fun, fun to watch. And yeah, the Kansas Jayhawks feeling really good about themselves and a big one coming this week against at Iowa State. Kansas uh, controlled the game. I know it's Duke, but it's also a game where a school, a program like Kansas, that all of a sudden everyone's talking about, sold out. Everyone around campus and town are excited. That's the one where all of a sudden it's like, oh God, and you you know you stumble. <laughs> Right. Uh, Kansas wins seasons from 2010. Three wins. This is their win totals. 3-2-1-3-3-0-2-1-3-3-0-2 until yeah. this year. They now have four. That it's number, 3-2-1-3-3-0-2-1-3-3-0-2 is coincidentally or not uh, like a secret mathematical formula that allows us to like rotate Mars and land people there. <laughs> and <laughs> Turns out NASA. I thought maybe it was the nuclear codes at Utah yeah, for the reactor yeah. there. We'll get to that. I think NASA yeah. was just waiting for Kansas football to provide the secret code. <laughs> and they did it. So we owe Turner Gill, Charlie Weiss, David Beattie, and Les Miles. Uh, some, no one could come up with that number. The Powerball is four now. No, I don't. They're four and oh. Fantastic. They've unlocked the Mars lander. They, oh. they unmar uh, unlocked it. All right, Ross, pride or panic? Tennessee Volunteers. Ooh, uh, they get okay. game day. Yeah. They checkerboard up the stadium. They beat Florida 38-33 in Knoxville. I'm not guessing a lot of panic, but go ahead. No, yeah, I'm 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 definitely feeling pride in in the Volunteers, and really, it should have been. You know, that margin of victory, the old Gators, the old backdoor cover there. We had a lot of those yesterday, and the Gators came back to to cover it because this game didn't ever really feel in doubt in the second half at all. Uh, Vols just looked really good. Hendon Hooker, quarterback, you know, he's scrambling everywhere. He's throwing ball balls downfield deep. Uh, it, it, he looks really good, and the Vols in general. I mean, it, Tennessee's offense looks amazing. I think they're averaging like 550 yards of offense a game. Uh, they're just 
scorching people. So I'm I'm feeling big time pride. Uh, get a bye week, which is a nice rest for them before two very big games at LSU in against Alabama at home. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, loud and proud. Rocky top for Tennessee. It's anytime you beat Florida, given how rarely they had beaten Florida during this long malaise, you take it and run with that. So that, that, that was a great win. And Dan, as you, I mean, you laid it out there. I mean, as Ross said, they, this was a big scene, a big stage, uh, big expectations and Tennessee delivered on, on that stage. And that's without Cedric Tillman, their best receiver too. So to roll up, that many points and yards without him, that says all the more. Like, Hendon Hooker's probably at the top of my Heisman ballot right now. He's just been phenomenal, perfect fit in Josh Heupel's uh, offense. And how bad does Virginia Tech miss him at this point? But uh, I, it, it's all pride for uh, Tennessee at this at this moment. Miami Hurricanes. <laughs> the U licking their wounds after losing to A&M come home. Apparently drown their sorrows at uh, at South Beach and watch the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders hang 45 on them. 45-31 loss. Uh, they gave up a 71-yard touchdown pass, a 69-yard touchdown <laughs> pass, and a 98-yard touchdown pass. <laughs> DJ England, England Chisholm for Middle Tennessee State, is faster than all the hurricanes. <laughs> Worse, an actual hurricane is coming to Florida. <laughs> yeah, right. Not Miami. Everyone duck, be safe. 507 yards. Uh, any pride here? Uh, Pat, we'll start with you on this one. Shrill shrieking, top of the lungs panic. There's nothing else to say about it. I mean, what a complete debacle. Uh, that... That's about as bad as it gets for a program that is trying to think of itself as being back amongst the big time. I mean, you follow up that, you know, very disappointing game against AM where you can't get in the end zone, score zero touchdowns, but you come home and completely overlook middle Tennessee and lay an egg like that. I mean, and they benched Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback. I, I might want to bench the secondary that can't tackle. Uh, whoever that guy, that kid that you just gave his name there that ran all the long England Chisholm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. I will say Rick Stock still makes $900,000 a year. Mario Cristobal's making $8 million. <laughs> Good job, Rick Stock still. Miami's paying a basketball player money. that in NIL money. Yeah. <laughs> right. Scott's, he's like, back. what about Warner University? <laughs> yeah, I should. I need to reach out to team president John Ruiz and get his uh, get his comment. Yeah, he's busy yeah, trying dude. to build he's a stadium. A big, he's a big Twitter pop off. Did he have anything to say? I'll look. I'm it up. sure he did. I haven't looked. I'm sure he did. I'm sure. He, it was I follow him on Twitter. He yeah. yell, he's always yelling at people about the stadium he wants to build in a park. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. After yeah, the he's plan real to into that. take over Coral Gables High School went awry, when the people of Coral Gables said, um, "We we're using that. It's our high school." <laughs> all right i hope they get turn. a stadium done i don't care john Ruiz is fine but i always did like that plan um no we need a high school sorry <laughs> novel concept he was gonna build um, a new one like inside the stadium or i don't know what to... anyway, <laughs> he, he did a lot of tweeting through it yesterday you don't need a stadium to guard middle tennessee no 
No, you don't. I mean, they played in an absolute dump of an Orange Bowl when they were at their best. So Yeah, well, that was part of the charm. All right. Yeah. How about that line, by the way, the Middle Tennessee quarterback? 16 completions, 408 yards. 16 <laughs> completions. Somebody tweeted. I think it was somebody from The Athletic tweeted it was the most – it was the highest yards per completion – in FB in an FBS game in at least twenty two years since at was least two thousand nine. Four yeah, four well, I got four oh eight on here. Four oh eight, sixteen completions, four oh eight. Yeah. I mean that's just insane. That's it's absurd, yeah. It's like twenty five yards a yeah, pass. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. A little over twenty five yards per completion. Not bad. That'll do it. <laughs> Texas A and M Aggies. Much tumult, but here we are, three and one. Mm. They win whatever these guys call the knockoff Red River. <laughs> Off-brand Red River, the Walmart Red River. Yeah. <laughs> Dollar Tree Red River. Uh, A&M and uh, Arkansas in uh, Jerry's world, 23-21 with an assist from the top of the uh, of the upright. Crazy game. No one, no one can explain to me why KJ Jefferson decided to try to leap a eight foot tall pile like seven yards out. I don't know. How, I don't think Texas A&M deserved to win this game, but they won it. And at this point, do you really care? Pride or panic that this is still smoke and mirrors? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm a little panicked. That was. I've never seen that happen before in a game. I was like watching live. People have sent me videos of it happening before, including like three weeks ago uh, in a game. At Wyoming, uh, where it bounced off the same thing, it bounced off the top upright or top of the the uh, right upright. But yeah, I'm I'm a little panicked. Uh, Aggies just uh, and now I tell you what I, you know, his, the stats aren't great, but he he certainly made plays when he needed to. Max Johnson, Brad's son at quarterback, they seem to maybe have something there that they can they can use. But uh, I'm still I'm a little panicked here. Uh, I'm concerned about. The whole ship, because honestly, uh, I think A and M for the most part was was outplayed and um, got a little got a little lucky, got a little opp- opportunistic uh, there late in the game. So I'm panicked, especially looking at my schedule too, my remaining schedule. This no doubt, State. and then yeah. Alabama. Yep, South Carolina. They got three in a row on the road here. Yeah, coming. so that that's. And then, then, then you're home against Mississippi, who's pretty good. You got Florida. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they got losses coming. I'd be panicked. The offense still isn't doing much. And here's a little something Ross and I wrote about this actually Sunday for the for Sports Illustrated. Just a, a, a short story, but an interesting scenario. If this game weren't played in Jerry World, if it weren't the knockoff Red River, if they were playing on campus, would the field goal have been good? NFL stadium uprights are 35 feet tall. Oh. Most college mm. stadium uprights are 30 feet tall. Gasp. Uh, they, the college rule is just they have to be at least 30. So I, I cannot say with certainty. I have asked but have not yet gotten the answer from Arkansas whether their uprights are 30 or 35 feet. <laughs> but if they're 30 feet, that ball goes over the top. Now, technically, that's still no good. It's got to be inside the upright. But that's a judgment call, at least. You got the official looking up saying, eh, maybe that's good, maybe it isn't. So in an, on, in an on-campus game, which these probably should be, uh, Arkansas might have won that thing. 
But between that and and yeah, the first down reaching the ball over the top of the uh, of the pile, that's a no-no. If it's fourth down, maybe, as Sam Pittman said. So I think Texas A&M's very lucky. That offense is still not good. They've got a long way to go, That I, and I don't know how they get there because their quarterbacks are just very pedestrian. Uh, unless they're just going to grind out wins with defense, which they have the last couple of weeks primarily, uh, they they are uh, coach eight and four is heading back to eight and four. I think you got to reset expectations on A and M. So I, they beat two two teams ranked at the time. They beat Miami. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if you watch, if you you beat Miami last week and then you watch Middle Tennessee run all over them. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And you feel very lucky about our, I don't know. He got these three road games. We will see what happens the next two. The, the Alabama game is the one that's going to be particularly painful because my guess is they're going to, if, if it's 98 to zero, they're going for two. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they ain't taking a knee on the two. They're ta- they're going for the yeah, two. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe he will as the ultimate humiliation. This is going to be, this is tough. But, hey, they're three and one. And uh, I don't know. You know, it's 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 not an easy one, but I certainly this is not a national championship contender as uh, as what we have seen uh, thus far. Searching for NBA playoff coverage, we've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, on the flip, Arkansas. a tough loss. Uh, probably should have won. They gave the game away. the The field goal was crazy. Still three and one. You get Alabama next week coming to your place. I mean, it would have been just an absolute monster game. Uh, my guess is that would have gotten the game day. The whole thing that people places like Arkansas crave. And you know, instead you got this. You got that. You got that L. What? What are? What are your thoughts at Arkansas? Sam Pittman's program heading into. Alabama week that could have been special. Um, can you beat Can you beat the Tide, Pat? No, you can't beat the Tide. But I, I, I mean, I'd still feel very bullish about the program in general and where you sit. You let one get away. There's no doubt about that, and that hurts. Because uh, again, that, I mean, this is a schedule that's not easy. You go Alabama at Mississippi State at Brigham Young, uh, and then you still got LSU and Ole Miss. And I mean, there's 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 a lot of tough sledding to come, but. I mean, you're relevant the, the, again, and that win over yeah. Cincinnati looks good. Like, yeah, yeah, you're exciting. This is good, good for Arkansas. Yeah. But yeah, I, I am not panicked at all. I'm proud. I just feel a little bit sick about having let that one get away. But you're probably heading to three and two, and then after that, we'll see what you're made of. The next two weeks, those are big, big games at Mississippi State at BYU. Ross, yeah, I, I, I think you feel pretty good. Well, you don't feel good because you blew the game but um but I, I think in the long run in general uh I think that you feel good and you just need to tell your quarterback not to not to jump from the five yard line into the end zone uh that that's a problem 
you know, we, we see that happen quite a bit and that turned the game. It seemed like it just changed everything about the game is that whatever ended up being 99 yard, uh, scoop and score lateral on the way. Scoop so, and handoff uh, and score. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's such a tough um, way. KJ is brutal. an incredible athlete. Uh, I'd never saw him as Vince Carter. <laughs> because you're going to yeah. jump over that French guy at the Olympics and get into the end zone. Like, <laughs> best when your best player makes a thing. All right. Pride or panic. Michigan State Spartans. Tuck uh, coming and giving <laughs> up yards. Yeah. 34, Minnesota 34. We'll get to you, Golden Gophers. 34 7. It was not that close. Uh, absolute manhandling at the tune of 508 total yards for Minnesota, just 240 for Michigan State. They couldn't stop them. Minnesota had the ball 42 minutes and 30 seconds. Michigan State at home had the ball just 17 minutes and 30 seconds, just 14 first downs. Complete and total ass kicking. They scored a touchdown with 17 seconds left to save the, the shutout. How panicked are you about the state of Michigan State? You've got $100 million into a coach, and it's year three, and you're getting just run off the field by Minnesota. And, oh, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, all these guys are still to come. Pat. Yeah. Uh, complete panic. I mean, this is this is a worse situation than Miami because the, the division you're playing in, that's the thing. I mean, there's just they, – they're – these two losses, both of them, were just complete annihilations. I mean, Washington wiped the field with Michigan State. Minnesota then comes to Spartan Stadium and wipes the field with Michigan State. That's bad. That is bad. And let's be honest, they overpaid Mel Tucker. Big time. Big time overpaid Mel Tucker. And now you have to sit there and wonder, oh, my God, what did we do? Doesn't mean he can't do the job, but he's not earning his $9.5 million per year paycheck at this point. Uh, and based on resume, when they gave him the money there, he had one good season and that was it. You know, Kenneth Walker, the third, maybe the most valuable transfer in the history of football, comparing Michigan state after him and Michigan state with him, but it's bad. It's real bad. And I'm trying to figure out when they're going to win again. Do you think they're going to win at Maryland? I don't. Ohio State comes in? No. Wisconsin? Maybe because Wisconsin sucks. At Michigan? No. At Illinois? No. Maybe Rutgers and Indiana late. I mean, you may be able to scrape out about five wins there, but that's that's all I can see right now on the schedule. Yeah, real, real concerns. And, in, in, you know, the concerns are on Mel Tucker's side of the ball. I mean, he, he's a defensive guy, and defensively they have – uh, well, been been terrible last couple outings. Obviously, uh, went out west and and got drubbed, and uh, and then at home uh, to Minnesota. I, I yeah, I'm baffled that uh, you know you 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 think that maybe you look back at that last year's team that he put together there, and it was you know remember it was like I don't know, it felt like 30 transfers on that team. He put together this team, and it was like. Almost like he put together this team for like one year, right? And then a lot of people were going to be leaving, and you got to replace all those guys. And we're going to be seeing this as we move forward. It's going to be in something interesting to watch is that 
it's kind of like, you know, the NFL putting together a team for a season. If you're going to do that with transfers, the next year, you better go do it again. You got to keep replacing these people uh, and these players. So, but man, it, it's rough. You know, I think we all scratched our heads when that contract was announced last year. You know, I think a lot of people know that that uh, Mel Tucker's, that LSU and, and maybe some others at least reached out to Mel Tucker's folks and, and probably are what was behind that big raise. But man, I, 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 it's just, uh, it's a good example, right, of what we're seeing throughout <laughs> college football nowadays is these incredible lucrative contracts given to people who haven't necessarily earned it. Um, and, and that one was one of the more bizarre. And that one started what we're seeing, you know, from coaching contracts all over. Well, look, is this, you know, this unfairly brings up the Charlie Weiss corollary um, because Mel Tucker actually won the game that got him the big contract where Charlie Weiss only lo- lost to USC in the Bush push and then got a got a story in the New York Post that the NFL was about to hire him and Notre Dame panicked. But yeah. there is some little bits to it. And look, I wrote the column after Michigan, Michigan State game last year. Like, if you guys think this is this is your next Nick Saban and you don't want him leaving to the same school, LSU, and you've got a billionaire like Matt Ishbia, who is prominently involved, this salary is nothing to him. Uh, Ishbia is worth four, four or five billion. I don't know what he's worth now, but former walk on with the with Michigan State uh, basketball. Sign him. You're going to have to overpay. They overpaid to get him originally out of Colorado because yeah. D'Antonio retired late. Remember that? Yep. 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 But now you sit there and go, what do we got here? And uh, I don't know. Tucker's like awesome guy. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like it should work, but this was just, this was an ass kicking. So I don't. So are, you, are we, are you saying that you're to blame for writing the call? I'm not to blame. Okay. I'm not to blame. If I could get Matt Ishbia to waste his money, I would say I this podcast is available for sponsorship. <laughs> United Wholesale Mortgage. Or I can be personally sponsored and I will talk I will come on here and say Michigan State will win the next 17 national championships for the right price. <laughs> and Matt Ishbia is the most handsome <laughs> and intelligent NCAA athlete of all time. So yeah. Uh, I am willing to waste his money or spend his money, but I do not believe that uh, he's taking cues from me. However, this is what you had to do. On the flip, P.J. Fleck, Minnesota, they're 4-0. and They have outscored their opponents. Now, granted, New Mexico State, Western Illinois, Colorado, Michigan State, 183-24. to Tanner Morgan looks really good. Three TDs yesterday. Muhammad Ibrahim is really good. Their schedule is not bad. At Illinois, they get a big game at Penn State, or they play Purdue at Illinois, which is a very interesting game. At Penn State, Rutgers at Nebraska, Northwestern. I mean, those two suck. The Iowa core, who knows? (laughs) God knows. And then at Wisconsin. Like, there's a real possibility here for Minnesota to do something really special this year. I'm guessing pride is high. Uh, Ross, you can start with Minnesota. Yeah, pride very, very high. Uh, and we kind of, they've just kind of like slipped in uh, 
under the radar here at 4 and 0 of all the teams I think there's 21 remaining teams that are 4 and 0 and and they were the one I was most surprised at as I just was going through to compile the list um cuz they you know their schedule hasn't been great their early season schedule hasn't been great at all um New Mexico State <laughs> WIU Western Illinois uh, University and then of course they played probably the worst <clears throat> power 5 team in the country <laughs> in Colorado uh, and then, yeah, and then they 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 won at Michigan State, so they kind of they kind of crept in under the radar, but um, have looked great. And uh, and PJ Flex got them rolling. Tanner, yeah, Tanner mentioned Morgan. Uh, he missed three passes yesterday against Michigan State. Completed twenty three of twenty six. Uh, incredible. Yeah, I, I mean, this is it, it's a great start for Minnesota. I was I was a wait and see because the schedule literally was the worst in Power Five, even worse than Michigan's according to the Sagarin ratings. To, so I wanted to see them go play a good team or at least a competent Power Five team on the road, and they did, and they just completely blew the doors off Michigan State. So I'm impressed. And here's the thing with Tanner Morgan, he was really good in 2019. He was not that good in 2020 or 21. He's really good in 22. What happened? All right. Well, his offensive coordinator in 2019 was Kirk Chiraca. In 2020, Kirk Chiraca left to go to Penn State. Then he was gone after that the next year, too. And now he's back. You put those two together and good things happen to the Minnesota passing game. So I think uh, having bringing him back has really helped Tanner Morgan kind of regain his mojo. He's accurate. He's not making mistakes. He can hit some big downfield shots. And you do that combined with that power running game. And I love the formula that uh, Minnesota's put together so far. They, I mean, in a garbage division, they look like they could uh, roll through it at this point. Yeah. And, you know, look, if you're Minnesota, winning the West is a big deal. Huge. Huge deal. Get to Indy and and whatever. But um, they're, they're on their way because I think they, they do look really good. All right, last one we're going to do before we get to some other stuff. Northwestern. <laughs> Lose 17-14 to Miami, Ohio. Whew. They defeated Nebraska 31-28 in Ireland. Nebraska's horrible. They lost to Duke. They lost to Southern Illinois. They lost to Miami, Ohio. They're now staring at Penn State, Wisconsin, Maryland, Iowa, Ohio State, Minnesota, Purdue, Illinois. Whew. One in eleven, not out of the question. Nope. Uh, this is supposed to, you know, the big joke with Pat Fitzgerald's program is the even numbers. They're good. This would represent three out of four terrible seasons. Mm-hmm. The guy's an absolute legend. There, he has proven to be an exceptional coach at times. Done great stuff with Northwestern. I think anyone ever put that, but. At what point do you, I'm not saying he's going to get bumped, but at what point do you start with a little panic like, uh, this is bad? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely panic for this season. And and yeah, it's a, it's a tricky situation. It's a test of what Northwestern wants to be about, I would say, because Pat Fitzgerald is a Northwestern graduate, is a Northwestern legend as a player, as you said, from their highest days of when they went to the Rose Bowl. He is a Southside Chicago guy. He has stayed at that job because he loves the job. He's done really good work. He's won some big games. They've had some great seasons. They've won the West several times. But my goodness, the 
the the state of the program right now is bad. I mean, can you imagine when they got on that plane to come back from Ireland? And, you know, you're thinking, you're looking at the schedule like, man, we got Duke, Southern Illinois, and Miami of Ohio now all coming up at home. We can be 4-0. and And you lose all of them. I mean, that's, whew, that's brutal. So I, I just have a hard time seeing them firing or even pressuring Pat Fitzgerald. And maybe you shouldn't. I mean, I, I'm not saying you should. But gosh, I mean, that this is, they were three and nine last year. As Dan said, they could be looking at one win this year. In 2019, they were, I think, three, three. and nine. Yeah. I mean, bad. And, and, bad, bad. And you, I think the, the loyalty street has to run two ways here. This guy could have left for 50 jobs. Yeah. He could have been Notre Dame's coach like three times over. And so I, I do not think Northwestern should be starting to get all, oh, well, we can do better than this. You probably can't, but something's got to give. Yeah. So this isn't good. All right. Before we get to uh, small sample Heisman and say something nice, we did want to uh, alert to this story. This stems from our week back. Utah. Utah's been in the news a lot. Good team. They had topless female fans. <laughs> the women, the the female, the women students of Utah are nuts. <laughs> They're running around without shirts, painting their chests. <laughs> no, no, I have no opposition to that. Neither did Ross. Pat was a little, he was uncomfortable. <laughs> Uh, and then we have this female student who last week was arrested after police say she threatened to detonate a nuclear reactor on the University of Utah's campus <laughs> if the Utes did not beat San Diego State on Saturday. I want to repeat, she threatened <laughs> to detonate a nuclear reactor. She went nuclear if Utah did not beat San Diego State. It's not even the BYU game. The 21-year-old woman was booked into Salt Lake County's jail for investigation of making a threat of terrorism. Yes, detonating a nuclear reactor. Yeah. Okay, like terrorism, there's no like, you can't be a little bit pregnant on terrorism. Like, I don't care if it's like, I'm going to take a slingshot and shoot things and hurt you in the arm or something. Like, that's wrong, too. But if you're going to nuke the whole city, Pat, what the hell is going on? It, it just means more at Utah, clearly. Yeah, Apparently, right. take that SEC. This is an SEC story, man. You're not trying to nuke the town if you I can't mean, beat a Mountain West team. <laughs> I will admit... I was a little caught off guard with this story coming out of Utah. And I, I, you know, I did what we do on this podcast. We do deep reporting. We get after it here. And so I looked up the Nuclear Energy University program <laughs> to see which universities have reactors. <laughs> and there are many. It's we're nuclear. Like, yes. Yes. The, the, the ones that I thought would be more likely to go nuclear and, and destroy their town if they lost a game. Texas A&M, which actually has two of them. Oh, okay. Like, like Jimbo's uh, ranches. <laughs> uh, Texas has a nuclear reactor. Oh, of course. Florida has a nuclear oh. reactor. Ohio State, Lord oh, Almighty, God. plate fuel <laughs> reactor. Please, Buckeyes, keep winning. Stay calm. Somehow that survived the John Cooper era. Yeah. <laughs> Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, and the one year Luke Fickle interim six and six season. <laughs> 
But so I, I, you know, like Utah would not have been at the top of my list for most likely nuclear threat over potentially losing a game. But uh, I, I, I salute to that woman for for caring so deeply that she was ready to detonate all of Salt Lake City on behalf of the Utes. This seems like a Florida story or <laughs> Alabama or somewhere yeah. not Utah. Bizarre. I I just figured this one would was coming out of some uh, small town in southern Alabama or the Florida Panhandle. But um, lo and behold, uh, given. Didn't know it meant so much to Utah, but so it there really was a does. Second, this is the second Utah student who uh, who threatened this this year. There's a new uh, new social media thing called Yik Yak that uh, supposedly, and, and let this be a lesson to all of you on Yik Yak. I'm guessing our audience is probably not the Yik Yakers, <laughs> but not. tell your kids. So this is like the next tell step your sister, after tell tell your we little go brother. from TikTok to Yik Yak? Is that yeah, the yeah, it's Yik Yak. Well, you can post anything. It's supposed to be completely anonymous. Guess what? Mm. If you threaten to nuke Salt Lake City, the cops <laughs> will tell you how anonymous that is. <laughs> exactly. They're going to get you real quick. None of these apps are anonymous. <laughs> so it's like they, they make fun of each other. They say crazy things. Yeah, crazy. You're now trying to argue your way out of this. Can Utah threaten nuclear action to get a Big Ten bid, Pat? <laughs> I mean, it's a nice bargaining chip to have, you know? I Purdue mean, has one in Penn State, they, Ohio State. Like, this could be really something. Right? Right? I mean, you could declare nuclear war on them. You could absolutely go after them. I I, I don't know about the, whether they have missile capability there or not, but, you know, it's, uh, it, it can't be far behind. If you do have the – they have a – Triga reactor, T-R-I-G-A, whatever that means. I'm sure the next step is is fully weaponizing and and threatening to launch at Big Ten headquarters and at Fox. So you'd it would be a a two-front war. You'd you'd go to the West to go after Fox headquarters in Los Angeles, and then you'd go after ch- Chicago uh as well. Now, you know, always risky to start a two-front war. Very risky, yeah. Don't overlook yeah. the dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not how you want to do it, but no. Uh, yeah. All right. Thank you for that bit of uh, war college. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> hey, ask Hitler how it went. Yeah, ask the Russians war. right now how it's going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. We do not wait till the end of the season to hand out the Heisman. We hand one out every single week. And so this is what we call our small sample Heisman. We don't give out one award at the end of the year. We give it out week to week. It's the small sample Heisman on the College Football Inquirer podcast. Ross, do you have a small sample Heisman to hand out right now? Yeah, we we uh, we haven't talked about much about the Maryland Michigan game and uh, Blake Corum, Michigan running back, thirty carries, two hundred and forty three yards, two touchdowns on the season. He's averaging almost eight yards a carry, uh, I believe. Just kind of carried uh, Michigan to that victory because that was a good one. Maryland played really well, hung in there. Talia uh, Tagovailoa looked looked pretty good. Had kind of a gutsy performance, and uh, didn't expect Maryland to hang like they did. And without Blake Corum, I you know maybe the result is different. So uh, led the Wolverines to victory, and uh, he's he's going to be a force this year. The kid is explosive and he's got speed, uh, got power as well. Five TDs I think last week too. So I agree. Oof. I don't know how good Michigan is, but they certainly uh, could be good. Pat, small sample Heisman, who you got? 
Yes, sir. I'm going with Drew Pine, the Notre Dame quarterback. Hey, Notre Dame offense came to life. Now, part of that might be playing against the North Carolina defense, which is dreadful, but still. Look, Notre Dame was struggling to do much of anything offensively, and Drew Pine stepping in for Tyler Buckner, who's hurt, hurt his shoulder. Pine's been a loyal backup there. He's taken a lot of uh, abuse from fans and everything because he hasn't been better, but he was very good against North Carolina. 24 of 34 for 289 yards, career high. All those are career highs. Three touchdowns, also career high, no interceptions. So uh, when the Irish needed an offensive spark, they found one as they continue to dig out from that 0-2 start. Good win on the road over previously undefeated North Carolina. Drew Pine, small sample Heisman. I'm going to give an honorary mention to C.J. Stroud in the Ohio State offense. Five touchdowns for C.J. Stroud. Their offense is so good, they made that Wisconsin game like you didn't have to watch after like one series. Yeah. You're like, okay, this game is over. It Scary good. It's always the problem with these TV deals, right? Is they get a big game with Ohio State, Wisconsin, night game at the shoe. No, who's watching? Like there were so many good games, but who's going to watch yeah. that? Uh, I'm going to go with a guy we mentioned earlier, and that is Adrian Martinez of Kansas State. Uh, Martinez was, of course, at Nebraska. We said he did a he was a good soldier there. Uh, never could quite get it going. Complete dysfunction under Scott Frost program. Uh, transfers to Kansas State. His girlfriend is a soccer player at Kansas State. Gets a reboot and 234 yards passing, 148 yards rushing, five total touchdowns in a 41-34 victory over Oklahoma. His That long scramble, which is like 50-something yards, uh, was the play of the game. Uh, this is the Adrian Martinez that you like. And this Kansas State team is dangerous. So I love it. Good job, Adrian Martinez, getting out of Nebraska, sticking with it. You win my small sample Heisman. I bet you're having a good week uh, right now. All right. We've said a lot of mean things on this podcast. We fired, we almost fired some people, uh, all sorts of different things. Can we say something nice? Can we say something nice? And I'm looking at you, Pat Forty. Is there any nice in you? <laughs> oh, I am just going to pour sunshine all over the University of Missouri for their effort to keep Brian Harson employed on Saturday. And it took some effort from Missouri to do it because Brian Harson's Auburn team is bad. And there was a lot of talk that if Auburn lost that game, Harson would be out on Sunday. Who knows? He might still be out. We're taping a Sunday morning. Stay tuned. But for now, it appears he's going to keep his job due to some incredible yeoman work from a Missouri program that historically just has found incredible ways to lose, but outdid itself to keep Brian Harson employed. Just, just remarkable uh, charity and largesse from the Tigers. Here's what they did to, to help uh, Auburn win the game. End of regulation. They are on the Auburn eight-yard line. They call a timeout to ice their own kicker, Harrison Mevis, before he tries a 26-yard field goal. Harrison Mevis, who's had a really good career, he is a good kicker, misses from 26 yards out on the last play of regulation that would have won the game. So we go to overtime. What happens there? Auburn gets the ball first. Fourth and 12th, the Missouri 27. They bring in Anders Carlson, their kicker, to try a 44-yarder. He misses the kick. Oh, but wait, Missouri's offside. Move it five yards closer. He makes the <laughs> kick. Missouri gets their turn in overtime. 
Nathaniel Pete, transfer from Stanford. He's been good. Takes it around the left side for 20 yards. He's going in for the winning uh, touchdown. Uh. Oh, he fumbles at the one, and Auburn recovers in the end zone. Game over. So that's missed field goal, offsides to allow a second chance for a field goal for Auburn, fumble in the end zone. Good job, Missouri. Way to keep Brian Harson employed. <laughs> that was very nice. That was very yeah, nice. that was really sweet. It was. It was. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be actually nice here. Dino Babers, kind of everybody wrote him off as uh, he was gonna be one of the many to get fired this cycle. In all the series, all the Orange have done is open the season four and zero. They won a tight one uh, against uh, Virginia uh, on Saturday. They won it on a field goal at the at the last minute. But uh, but Syracuse four and zero wins over. Wins over four power or three power five teams. Uh, Syracuse has, which is kind of a rarity right now, this early in the season. Louisville, Purdue, and Virginia. So give it up for uh, for Dino Babers, who entered the season entered the season having gone five and seven, one and ten, five and seven. So everybody pretty much had written off that he was he was going to get fired this year. But uh, four and Cuse, and guess who they have next. Guess who's who the next opponent is for Syracuse? Dan, it's Wagner. How about that? They get <laughs> Wagner on October 1st. Maybe they can put up the Ahundi. Way the way they're playing. Good for Dino Barber. It's he's a good guy, and that's a that's a, that's a turnaround if there ever was one. Uh Wagner. All right, we'll see. J- Jim Bayheim always schedules garbage non-conference teams. So uh <laughs> I think I think Bayheim's coaching the team now. They're just going to. All right. I am going to say something nice about the Holy Cross Crusaders. The Holy Cross Crusaders. Who was it? Gordy Lockbaum. Not playing. No. Remember the great Gordy <laughs> Lockbaum, right? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Who I think Sports Illustrated tried to claim should win the Heisman mm-hmm. over, like, I don't know, like Bo Jackson or some crap like that. Like, Sports Illustrated is drunk on itself back in the day. You guys are much <laughs> better now. I don't think you'd allow this. But the Holy Cross Crusaders are 4 0. First place in the Patriot division, and you should not care, except they have a victory on a Hail Mary over Buffalo. It is the only team located in New England. This is a non-scholarship one uh, FCS team. The only team in all of New England, six states, six, many people, that has a victory over an FBS opponent, and it is Buffalo. <laughs> over the weekend, Boston College. UConn and UMass lost 113 to 24. Oh my. None of them have beaten an actual team. <laughs> College football is dead in New England right now. New England United is united in misery as well. New England United could be they barely beat Buffalo. We need to we now have to bring Holy Cross in. We need four <laughs> teams. I, some of you know I had to go on a I've said some not nice things about UMass football. I had to go on a a some kind of Twitter. Uh, what's it, what do they call it? Square Twitter Square or something? Space Twitter space, space Twitter Space. I need a safe space. I got yelled at by a bunch of UMass fans. I will say this: UMass has incredibly. They have like three hundred of the most passionate fans you've ever met. Because why the hell you'd be, you'd support this team? I don't know, but they do. 
<laughs> I I couldn't help but listen in to some of that. And it was absolutely fantastic to hear them all berating Dan for not being more excited and loyal to his alma mater. And at one point labeling the other saying, you have an anti-aspirational brain. I love that. Is this true? <laughs> I have a reality. Yeah, right. But as as little as I think of UMass, UConn, and BC football at this point, they shouldn't be this bad. No. Good Lord. How does an entire region... We're going in... It's October now. Saturday is October 1st. How do you go September over? <laughs> it's bad. Really bad. So uh, UMass, you're not that bad because the other ones suck too. And they do have fans, and they like going to the farmer's market before the games. And maybe they get something good going. They want I the don't recruits know. to go to the farmer's market. It could I'm be lovely. done talking about UMass. Take them to see the leaves turn. Great you know. foliage coming up. Great yeah. games to be watching. Go to the Holy Cross game. <laughs> go to Holy Cross. Worcester. Go. Don't go to BC. Don't go to UConn. Don't go to UConn. Go to Holy Cross. Up there in Worcester, you'll be in the hills, fit and field. It's going to look great. <laughs> That's my something nice. All right. We'll be back Tuesday, preview week five. Who knows what else will happen? Hopefully, we have a nuclear calm the next couple of days. <laughs> no one detonates a bomb yeah. or a reactor. <laughs> Stay calm, people. Stay off the yik yak. <laughs> just college football. Just means more. Talk to you.